Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, welcome everyone to The Distraction. It is Thursday, Fightful.com. I am Jeremy Lambert, joined by the last of a dying breed, Joseph Holbert. Joe, how are you today? I was convinced you were going to call me Smojo Holbert uh, <laughs> in tribute of our match of the week, but I'm actually very good. I'm excited to discuss the professional wrestling, and that is not sarcasm, folks. <laughs> I'm actually excited. I had a great week. I'm really good. I've been looking forward to this. Me and Jeremy have been kind of like planning this show for what feels like eight years. It's actually been four days, but man, it feels like we've been talking about it for a long time. So I'm glad to just, let's get all this out of the way. A lot of Twitter conflicts come to a head this evening. A lot of big <laughs> reviews, double turns, angles to be shot. Let's get to it. I'm excited. Well, first, we have our major announcement that we're moving to USA Network yes. next week. Uh, William Regal, if you paid attention to, to NXT last night, if you didn't, that's okay. We don't talk about that program. But Regal's big announcement was that the distraction is replacing NXT Wednesday nights on USA. So everybody can follow us on USA Network starting next week. We will have Johnny Bananas, the true demo god on the show. Joe Holbert knows nothing about the man, but doesn't matter. He's the man that brings the ratings and we will defeat NXT in our well we're, we're replacing NXT. We will defeat AEW in our first week. Yeah, I am in fear of getting distracted before we even start this show. Like, was the social media reaction to the NXT major announcement as funny as mine was? Of like, oh, that's it. Okay, I'm never coming back to this show. Thanks a lot, William. You know, like, I, I don't know what people put on Twitter. I couldn't believe that was it. But that's, we banned that show. Forget it. Let's just, just leave NXT in the rearview mirror. I didn't see anyone reacting to it. I just assume everyone is banned at that show, which, that's a perfectly curated timeline if just no one is watching NXT. I agree. I mean, we're on, it's a demo play, right, bringing us on, because we represent the future. That's the truth. Yes. We're here bringing the young folks, NXT in the past. We are not the heavy metal of podcasting. <laughs> we're today, we're current, we're ready to go. Next week, live. I can, I can go ahead and spoil this. We will invade AEW one week. Wow. We're going to do it. Wow. We're going to, we have inside sources in AEW, and we will have them on the show while AEW is going on, it will be a distraction invasion of AEW Dynamite one week. Which week? I don't know. Tune in. 
Find out. Watch us on the USA Network starting next Wednesday well, at 8 o'clock. Well, new boom period coming, folks. <laughs> this is where the boy, big boys play, huh? <laughs> Measuring stick just changed around here, folks. We're here with our, with our big mics. We're our big mics. <laughs> yeah. Let me hold up my microphone. There we go. <laughs> oh, man. That's a big fella. Okay. <laughs> We're going to have Luther walking around us FaceTiming him on Dynamite, just appearing in random matches. <laughs> this is a thing we should actually do now. We need to talk to the, the Japanese Deathmatch legend, the original Death Dealer. Yes. Original Death Dealer is definitely a better nickname, right? I know the original is Japanese Deathmatch legend, but original Death Dealer is like, what a statement that is. The original <laughs> dealer of death. All death. He's the original. Incredible. His great nicknames. He's killing it on AEW Dark, our guy Luther. Get him on the regular show. All right, folks, we're talking wrestling today, and we actually, we don't have a lot of topics. We just have a lot to dive into with the topics. So we're going to switch things up 10 minutes on the clock this week, Joseph. We're still going to go over time. We're still going to be all over the place. That's okay. 10 minutes this week. Let's get into it. Let's give the people what they want right off the bat. The Swamp Fight at Extreme Rules. This match was terrible, but for some reason, you liked it. Explain this to me. I mean, I think there's a pretty logical reason why I have to pretend to like it, which I'll not get into it, but I, look, I have put myself in the perfect frame of mind to enjoy these programs now, and I was not going to be fooled this past <laughs> Sunday night. I was not tuning in to the horror show Extreme Rules starring a swamp fight alongside an eye-for-an-eye match as the co-head billing here, expecting a straight-laced 1985 uh, Crockett program. I knew what I was giving myself into, and I watched it as though it was a Bray Wyatt uh, cinematic masterpiece. I didn't get the issue here, Jeremy, and we're going to get into this, but part of it is that I thought this show was fine, and everyone else seems to think it was the worst show ever, <laughs> which is like, it caught me way off guard, because I just thought it was exactly what I expected, which sucks, granted, but that's, you know, that's what it is. To me, this match was the John Cena match, but with a character that doesn't have, like, an interesting backstory. So granted, yes, that sounds very, very bad, but, like, conceptually, it's so similar. You, I was hated, you, hated it. you hated the Cena match, though. Yes, but that was when I was being a professional, and I was like, you know, <laughs> I like serious wrestling. And what am I doing? It's WWE, it's called the Horror Show Extreme Rules. Grin wide, have fun, get your popcorn. Sister Abigail, wow, Bray Wyatt, The Fiend. <laughs> It's great. I, my honest take on this show, and I, I'm not even doing a bit here. I know people thought I was. Everyone knows the Swamp Fight wasn't my thing, right? Like, fine. The Eye for an Eye match was a better wrestling match than it had any right to be. And I will stick by that opinion. And they refuse tried to take each fight. other's eyes out with Hurricane Rana's, Joe. Doesn't work oh, no, like that. <laughs> well, I think a bigger complaint I would have with that match, and we're going to get back to the Swamp Fight, folks. That's not the end of the angle, but I just wanted to... Um, it seemed to me they were trying to, like, stab each other in the eye more than pull the eye out. Would you agree with that, Jeremy? Yeah, well, if you stab you, if you stab somebody, like, directly in the eye and it jams yeah. in there far enough, when you yank the bit out, oh. it, the eye will come out. Good, yeah. You're more experienced than me. I, didn't know, but <laughs> I saw Santa Slay. Good. I know how this stuff works. <laughs> <laughs> that was good, all things considered, like, as good as it could be. Uh, Banks and Ascot, yes, I understand the gripes there. But Dolphin Drew way over-delivered, right? Come on, that was legit good, I thought. Uh, Dolphin Drew was great. I thought the wrestling on this program yeah. was fine. Like, there there was mm -hmm. nothing wrong with the wrestling. Some of the finishes were terrible. As far as the Swamp yeah. Fight, though, look, I was expecting Bray Wyatt wackiness. I was prepared for it. Just entertain me 
through it. Yeah. I did. I didn't find this thing entertaining. Like that was the issue. You got Bray doing his twenty-minute monologue. Cut that in half. It's a much better uh, cinematic masterpiece by the, yeah. the genius of Bray Wyatt. Uh, watching it sober, not good. You convinced me I should watch this match high afterwards. I did that. Much better match in that state of mind. I will say that. If you want to enjoy this match, if you didn't enjoy it, uh, smoke smoke some marijuana. And we can condone that on this show. Why not? Uh, do that. Watch this match. And you'll enjoy it more. I promise you. The, the Bray Wyatt monologue will seem even longer, but it's a better match that way. Yeah, this is where I'm going to get our first major bit out of the way because I agree that's a good way to watch this match. A less um, effective way is to watch it with your mother. Uh, that is not what I would do here, but I told Jeremy, so let me just give you a little backstory here. Um, one of my most favourite angles in wrestling history was the ongoing mixed match challenge saga between the Braun Strowman and the Alexa Bliss. Right? It was great fun, lots of laughs to be had. Um, but since then, my mother always confuses Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman. She never understands which one was in love with Alexa. So I thought this match would be the perfect match to finally settle that conflict in her mind. Now, I'm sure it, I'm sure it weighs heavy on her. So I wanted to settle that for her. And I told Jeremy I would get an official review from a neutral bystander. Unfortunately, this review did not get the kind of content. I have, I have three notes here. And it is the first note is initial confusion as I have to explain which one is which. The only insight I got, and it was funny, it was worthwhile. The scene that you're discussing where Bray Wyatt does like the monologue, <laughs> I think my mum thought like I wanted her to give like a professional review of this thing. She was like dead serious, just looks at me and goes, Bray Wyatt's a much better actor than Braun Strowman. And I erupted. <laughs> I was like, yeah, do you think? Braun's like in his chair going, rah, rah. oh, he's pulling his arms at the. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I mean, the sister Abigail deal got like a pretty good pop uh, in the room. I'm sure it got a range of reactions across the world based on what I saw. I thought it was like a legit fun moment. For people that are into the Bray Wyatt lore, lore and the layers, <laughs> I think it was neat for them to see someone play sister Abigail. So her, her final, it's not a joke, her actual review was mildly entertaining fine and that was all <laughs> that was all i got over 20 minute watch so i mean that's where i am with it dude i think it was fine i i don't agree i guess my, i'm with you i understand your point about it. it wasn't like super entertaining but i guess my thing is i never thought it was going to be good so just like the fact that it made me react to all i was like man good job bray that's where i'm at unfortunately i'm sorry the Fast and Furious Viking Raiders Street Profits cinematic uh, brawl was so much better than this. So, so much more entertaining. It had more gags and stuff. This was, like you said, it was Braun uh, playing the role of John Cena, except Braun has like three, four years of history behind this character, and he's played... Pretty much the same. He didn't flip anything. Why didn't he flip anything? This is like Braun's character yeah. for like an entire year. We would just like destroy stuff. And the most he does is like set a dude on fire. Like, okay. He should have flipped something. Flip the entire swamp over. I don't care. That was the worst part of the whole film was the fire part. That was so embarrassingly bad. When <laughs> Braun would just stand up laughing. The guy was like, oh, I'm on fire. I promise. And Braun just, Braun was doing like peak wrestler noises and faces throughout the whole yes. thing. All while Bray was trying to be an actual actor. It was... <laughs> see, my thing is, uh, we talked about this on text, but like, 
the Street Profits deal was just like, we're being dumb, laugh at us. Yes. But I admire that Bray Wyatt like, really is trying to make film here. But I am sorry. <laughs> I think it's funny. I think it's good. And I have to apologise. If you watch this show and you love like Twitter threads about Bray Wyatt and the layers, you are right. I am wrong. Okay, because everyone seems to think Alexa Bliss is actually Sister Abigail. So to which I say, we actually need the Twitter threads. Can you all start making them Twitter threads again? Because apparently wrestling fans have never seen any kind of cinema and take everything as like a literal heel or baby face turn at every, at every moment possible. So that's one thing I had to say. You said you would be done with Bruce. I think, I think we would ban WWE if Alexa was actually Sister Abigail. Yeah, and true. now you're just like, ah, it's fine. It's whatever. It's not a big deal. Psychiatric, Jeremy. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a magician. He makes you see these things. The question is, did we... Is that, like, part of the show now? Like, does Alexa know that she was seen as Sister Abigail, or are we just seeing what Braun sees? Does that make any sense, what I just asked you? No, I'm no, really no. I, I get what you're saying. Braun's okay, dead, so yeah, I have true. no idea. I have, yeah, good I have no idea. I do wonder how they're going to follow up with this on SmackDown. If they do, they they might not even, mm-hmm. even reference it. But I do wonder if, like, Alexa Bliss is just going to come out and make any type of reference to this, or if Bray makes any type of... I, I do wonder how they're going to follow up. Alexa follow-up will, will be the thing, because Bray and Braun can reference it fine. But, like, how is Alexa feeling? Is she... Like you said, is this this is obviously a figment. Parts of it were a figment of of Braun's imagination. So like next yeah. time Alexa and Braun run into each other, which I guess would be the funeral, uh, you know, is she standing over his casket and being like, "You should have told me how you really felt." Uh, you know, I feel yeah. the same way. We could have, you know, I could have saved you. Is that what they're gonna do here? I think that's where they should go that's with right. this actually. Because it's like when um, you know, when they'll do the bit with Undertaker. I think they did it with. Warrior in WCW. Well, like, the heel sees the guy in the mirror. Yeah. Hogan Remember Randy Orton did Taker? Yeah. And then, like, Michael Cobb, like, what's he looking at? It's like, <laughs> well, I'm, I can see it. Then it gets confusing. So I would guess that this is one of those deals where no one else on the show saw Alexa Bliss other than us and Braun Strowman. Is <laughs> <laughs> what I would guess. I don't know, though. Um, so she just you... didn't watch the product, though. She didn't go home, watch, check out the WWE Network, and be like, let me watch this uh, program here. And then, oh, I see myself. Like, it doesn't work yes. like that? No, no. And she okay. also didn't retweet 25 <laughs> photoshops of her sister ever. It was someone else. It was someone else, I promise. It's not her. Um, where are you on this scale of me at one end of, hey, this show is kind of fun, to everyone else on Twitter, this is the worst program ever cancelled WWE Network? Where were you actually at on the scale here, Jeremy? I didn't think, like, when it was over, I was disappointed by, by the cinematic match because I just thought it would be dumber than it actually was, um, <laughs> which is a statement in itself. But uh, I, didn't, I didn't walk away from that show being like, this, this was a god-awful... Look, I'm not complaining about any two-and-a-half-hour WWE pay yes. okay? You can give me any shit you want uh, from this program. If it's over in two-and-a-half hours, I'm like, great show. Good job, guys. You mm-hmm. guys knocked it out of the park. Uh, the wrestling was good. The finishes, uh, let's get into it, the Asuka-Sasha Banks finish. That sucked. Yeah. Um, it was yeah. terrible. And I, I think you've said it. Like You expected a bad finish. I did as well. I didn't expect it to be that bad, though. They, they decided to do like three different tropes when one would have sufficed. So I don't hate the idea, and I don't know if it's what they were going for. But what if but the idea was Bailey is gonna get Banks the Bell while knowing that it wasn't an official win. So like 
she's keeping her happy, basically, without while knowing she's the real double champ. If that was the idea, I'm with you. Just do that and don't do everything else they did, right? Like yes. the mist, and then the there was a there was something else in there. There was like a pin sequence, a belt shot. I can't even remember everything that happened in this match. It was crazy. Um, it was very. 2000 WCW, and I know everyone hates that, don't they? Everyone <laughs> hates when you say anything. And look, I've watched it, I'm aware that this isn't as bad as that, generally. This finish was like pure. Two, and it was the classic, um, you know, like, who even won? Tune in on Nitro, folks. I said poor Mike today. You know, like, uh, I guess Scott Hudson would be a better frame of reference. But I don't know. It, it sucked. The match was really good, though, and... I hate to say it again. I know I sound like I'm whining while I'm being positive, but I am at a point with this like product where I basically watch it as like exhibition matches. And as someone that doesn't care who wins and loses, like I legitimately am just like, oh, bad finish. I just wipe my hands. <laughs> if you're not like that, I totally get it. Why it would annoy you that you got excited for a match that had no finish, didn't even have a winner. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for me, like. It was just a little bit worse than I expected. I mean, a lot worse, but I expected it to be bad anyway. And the match was great, so I'll kind of just take it. I know it sounds sad, Jeremy, but that's where I'm at at this point. I just took it and was like, ah, it was a good match. I'll take the win. I'm in a similar similar boat of like, okay, I ex- I know what to expect from these WWE shows. I don't go in there thinking like, yeah. all right, I'm going to get pure pro wrestling here, winners and losers, baby face and heels. Like, I especially on a show called the horror show at extreme rules. Like you should just, yeah. they, they, they gave up on this show and, and lowered the expectations when they, they added that tagline to it. My thing is just like, I don't like getting invested in a good match. It's the same thing we, we were talking about with uh, these evil matches. Like, don't give me, this wasn't 40 minutes, but like, don't give me like 40 minutes of something and just then just do nonsense. Like this was an actual good match for 15, yeah. 20 minutes. And then they just did nonsense. It's like, all right, I, I just don't have the capacity to care about this stuff. Uh, yeah, Banks doesn't know if she won. I guess they're going to do the rematch on Raw. Cool. I'm sure it'll be good. I still don't know if we're going to get a real finish on that show either. Um, they're, yeah. It seems like they're delaying the Sasha and Bailey stuff, which is what I predicted. I, I thought that Banks would win this match and she would just be a double champion and they would delay it as long as possible because they want an audience for this thing. If this is how they're going to delay it, though, with all this stuff, just just get it over with. I know there's no audience. Just get it over with, though. Go in the direction you had originally planned and don't try it, don't try to cater to an audience that isn't there because you mm. don't know when they're going to come back. So just do what you were going to do initially. It's tough because, like, I feel like they've left it almost too late now. This sounds so ridiculous, I know, because <laughs> they've been going for 10 years doing this view, but, like, it almost feels like they need something catastrophic to split them up now because they're so, like, obnoxiously tight. Because before WrestleMania, there was cracks there, right? Like, there was yeah. an issue. And that's kind of gone, so... Unless the finish of Raw, the Raw match is that Bailey gets Sasha disqualified and costs her the match. Because if she if she gets involved with this at DQ and Asuka wins the belt, right, or keeps the belt, no idea. But um, if that's the finish, you could still do SummerSlam. But I just don't... I don't know, man. I, I, I feel like they're going to WrestleMania with this thing. I just don't know how, how they're going to do that if Asuka and Banks' last match is Monday. Because it feels like Shane is going to get the SummerSlam match now. So... It's good. Look, I'll say this much. It's interesting 
for what I like about wrestling, I enjoy the like moving pieces where everything's going to go and fall. It's interesting in that sense. But man, it, I hope they have an idea of when they're doing this because otherwise it's going to be a whole they lot don't. of delaying with bad finishes. Yeah, I tend to. <laughs> they don't have an idea. Yep. Uh, what do you make of the the eye for an eye match? Great match. I, I was mm-hmm. disappointed that I thought it was going to be cinematic. I was looking forward to it being cinematic, and I was just really looking forward to like somebody legitimately just getting their eyeball like ripped out CGI style. And so that mm-hmm. was disappointing. When Ray is just holding, you know, a gummy in his hand. It's just like, yeah, I don't know, man. I, um, it's one of those deals where I find myself praising. I'm like, oh, man, that was as good an eye for an eye match as you can have. And I was like, why am I crediting them? They put themselves in this corner. By the way, credit to them. Every time I think they have, like, a new level, a babyface loser level, it's like, <laughs> boom. Like, Rey Mysterio asks for a match in which you have to pull the other man's eye out and actually has his eye fall out of his head. Like, wow. That is an incredible amount of loser. So, um, but Rey is amazing. In all seriousness, as much as we discussed creative and I have not watched one segment of this program of Seth Rollins, as someone that watched the match, I find it to be, like, legitimately frightening how good Rey still is. Right? Like, he's a full time machine example. And he's been this way since he came back. So, it was cool to watch Rey be Ray again. I mean, it's a shame his eyeball fell out at the end of the match, really, because no, I like to see him. save it. They can save it. They could, yeah. Yeah. What was the term, Jeremy? Do you remember the medical term for what oh, they said? Oh, it's like global displacement or something. Yeah, oh, wow. It's legitimately, it's something, it's so, it's something weird like that. But, you know, even though the eye was like dangling, or not dang, it wasn't dangling, I guess, I don't, I don't know how you save it. It was just there in his hand. But I guess it was still attached. I don't know how eyes work. I'm not an optometrist. Um, but I guess it was just it was still attached. Seth was freaked out. He puked. He was so he was so scared of this that he he had to you know throw up. I yeah. again, if you're gonna do something wacky like this, just go over the top with it. Don't don't give me this guy laying there with with the fake eye in his hand. Like actually do a CGI and rip it out. Because yeah, that's what that's what we want. I don't know how you can say I saved his eye after that. I still like your idea that Dom does an eye uh, transplant and then Dominic has to wrestle his whole career yeah. with an eye patch. That would be awesome. <laughs> That'd be so great. Uh, this was my criticism all along. He's like, I kept being told, it's fun, go with the dumb stuff, and I'm like, but the angle itself doesn't appear to be fun at all. It's like a very serious, yeah, actual angle about eyeballs. Um, and it would play it out that way. They did the match very seriously. The referee was checking to make sure the eyes were intact at all times. Um, I don't know, man. And then Seth puked, and the next night he did like another 25-minute promo where he talked real slow about being a messiah, about taking extracting someone's eyeball. I don't know. I don't listen. So um, it was as good as it was ever going to be, and I could say that for uh, a handful of matches on this show. How, by the way, does a company have a finish as good as Dolphin Drew one match after a finish as bad as Banks Asuka, <laughs> right? How, how do they make that balance work? Because the finish to Dolphin Drew is an all-time finish. It was tremendous. The finish was so good, they decided to do the match again, but now Drew gets to pick the stipulation. <laughs> how, how is this interesting to anyone? Like, <laughs> Dolph just had every advantage and lost, and it's like, oh man, he'll get it next time. When Drew gets to be, it's a lot for Dolph. I think they're going to go Iron Man, Jeremy. Are you ready for them to do a 30-minute Iron Man on Raw? Are you ready? Oh, I could 
actually see that and no yeah. i'm not ready for that at all i don't want this at all no this is a bad idea don't put that out there you know they steal well, I, all of our ideas don't put that out there look i'll never watch it so that's fine but i um <laughs> i have to say so it's a you know running bit i do seriously guys Dolph's real good, man. Dolph <laughs> is real good. And that guy, bless his cotton socks, he was out there working. The energy of that man. How does he still care? I wouldn't care. I don't care, in fact. And I only have to watch the matches. So um, just amazing. I thought, I think Drew has actually done a great job of, like, his matches do feel different. And that's all you can do as a world champ. Like, they've all been physical and full of energy and, and like... Uh, you know, aggression, intensity, it's just been good. So hopefully uh, everyone's happy when Randy Orton takes belt off him. <laughs> uh, I imagine they're setting up the Orton and Drew feud next week because you had yes. to delay that a week so Orton could uh, punt kick the big show because that, that was very necessary. Uh, anything else from Extreme Rules? I don't remember what else is on this program. How do you feel about the Kabuki Warriors and Alexa and Nikki now being like best friends? <laughs> and they have managed to break the timeline of quarantine shows now. They are now actually rewriting history from within the PC because I'm, I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure they had a WrestleMania match three months ago at, at PC. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, um, great friends, Nikki Alexa. I was like, what? What is happening? What is Sasha, this show? Sasha and Bailey are so annoying that they just yeah. came together. That's that's what it was. I'm I actually with that. Yeah, I can see yeah, it. Yeah, I'm with that. Nikki's turning heel, right? Do you agree with this? It seems like it. It seems like... I mean, one of them is definitely turning. Maybe, maybe mm -hmm. what if they do the full bore Alexa Bliss, Sister Abigail, and that's the heel turn? Bad. <laughs> I think um, that backstage segment in on SmackDown last week where Nikki was, like, talking about... She kind of hinted, she was like, like, we're different. Like, I don't get the opportunities you do. That could be such a good reason to turn. Because I guess the idea would be Alexa just doesn't even realise the fact that the team is all about her, right? Like, it's... Nikki is um, tremendous at wrestling television. Yes. The match with Bailey was quite good, too. It's hard. A lot of these Bailey matches, it's through no fault of her own, but, like, they're all kind of capped at a certain point, you know? Like, they turn up to every pay-per-view and they're like, okay... It ain't the night for this match to steal the show. 12 minutes, just a fine match. And that's what it is. Unfortunately, she hasn't had a chance yet with the right opponent at the right time and the right angle to be like, okay, Bailey, steal the show. Hopefully she gets that because she has been champ now, Jeremy, for 25 <laughs> years. Just wait until the Sasha Banks match. That's when she, she will 100% steal the show at WrestleMania 39 uh, yes. in front of fans. So Eight minutes with DQ finish. <laughs> Uh, last night on AEW television, as first scooped by Joe Holbert here on The Distraction and on social media, Eddie Kingston showed up to answer Cody's open challenge. Joe, tell us all about your big scoop. Yeah, I was way ahead of this. I yes. posted, I found out about the Edward Kingston um, from a friend. I have many allies in this industry. It was not Luther. Please don't fire him. Um, and I posted a promo clip of the Eddie Kingston, which like did better than anything I've ever done in my life. And it was just, I didn't write anything. He retweeted it, didn't he? Probably everyone did. By the end of the day, it was like list of the greatest wrestlers on earth, retweeting <laughs> Joe Holbrook with quote tweets. I just stole a video from someone. I don't know what happened. But anyway, it made me like a scoopster. I am a scoopster, obviously, as well known. Um, this was... I had a really good week. Last week, I enjoyed wrestling a lot. Slammiversary was great. We'll get into that. 
And obviously, I didn't hate Extreme Rules. Um, and I was like, man, if Eddie Kingston comes out on Dynamite, it's going to be such a great moment. Boy, oh boy, was it awesome. Hearing that voice, seeing the man, it all looked like it's just... Eddie Kingston is, he seems to have impacted a lot of people. He's impacted me a lot. I remember last year, I, I was done. I didn't want to write about wrestling. I was finished, bored. And I saw a video of him kind of explaining his motivation to avoid retirement, where he was talking about, like, um, I couldn't tell the story as he would. But basically, it's a very cool personal story about what motivated him to stay in the game. And it was like, it gave, motivated me. You know, he's a very kind of inspiring talker. You believe Eddie Kingston. And I can only speak myself, but I think if you look at social media last night, there's a lot of people that believe in Eddie Kingston, right? They care about him. So of all the moments I can recall in like the last year of wrestling, this is the one that made me most happy. Because the best thing about Eddie Kingston is, it isn't a deal of like, oh, I like that guy. I hope he does well on the big stage. I have no concerns about that dude's performance. I know his promo is going to be great. I know his match is going to be great. It was just seeing him there. It was like, as soon as he got the ticket, it was done. So... Uh, awesome moment, awesome promo. The match was great too. It was so um, he was such a good fit for Cody. I thought like he allowed Cody to just forget all the other nonsense and the smoke and mirrors and just like have a match, hard hitting and physical, and it was great. So yes, the AEW. I am now Team AEW again, <laughs> Jeremy. I've requested a trade. You have switched teams. You have switched yes. teams three times in the last yes. week. I have. Uh, assuming Eddie Kingston gets a contract. I am Team AEW now. Let's go King Kong. That's what I'm saying. That's where I'm at. Uh, it was great to see Eddie Kingston there. Yeah. Um, they hyped up top independent wrestler. Hardcore fans will will uh, appreciate it. A lot of speculation on who it could be. I was very happy that it was Eddie Kingston. I remember watching this guy in ROH in like 05, 06 when he was doing like yeah. the last of the dying breed stuff. And I was like, this is so good. Like, this is so good. And this was 15 years ago. It's like, this this promo work is amazing. And obviously, he's been on the independent scene. He's been around forever since then. Uh, his stint with Impact, does, at this point, doesn't get enough love. Because mm-hmm. I... And I, I tweeted this last night. Get Santana and Ortiz away from Jericho. Put him with Eddie Kingston. And just have him, like, murder people. Like, legitimately murder people. I don't care. <laughs> just have him murder people. Um, because yeah. his thing with Impact was outstanding, and but it, it, I think it got overlooked because LAX was so good in that as well. Uh, yeah, Kingston's been doing this for a long time at a very high level, and it was great to see him on that national stage because there are very few guys who can talk like him and just make you believe the things he was saying. Like the the stuff he was saying last night to Cody to Arn, like this. I'm ready to see this fight right now. And they gave it mm-hmm. to us. And bless Cody, he took a tack bump, which I did not expect. He took a power bomb onto tacks. Cody did. Inside. Cody is yeah. uh, he's working his ass off as the TNT champion. And bless him for that. But this was a great moment for it really was. John Moxley promised, like, hardcore fans are going to love this. And based on the timeline, sign Eddie Kingston trending, pretty sure hardcore fans love this. Yeah, and by the way, if, if someone just watched Dynamite, the post-match promo that he did on their like Twitter gimmick, yeah. AEW, is way better than the pre-match promo. And the pre-match promo is amazing. The post-match promo is like the best, I'll call it acting. I don't know how much acting was going on, but it was about as real and believable as wrestling gets. Yeah, there's um, a lot to be said for like AEW's roster's big enough. You can always find a place for Eddie Kingston, right? Like that guy, you just said it. Like He's an all-time promo guy. So... 
on a show that I think one of its biggest strengths is the interviews because they have guys that can talk and they allow them to just talk. Eddie can be like the crown jewel of that. So hopefully they figure out something. I'm with you, man. Him doing a thing where he's like, just can't believe what's happened to Santana and Ortiz. Right? Yeah. Like he can't, proud and powerful. That was the whole thing. And now they are like, you know, goofing around with Chris. That could be wonderful. Because the thing with Eddie is he's a great heel because he can be so sinister and like mean. But he's very naturally likable. So I'd actually kind of be interested in him turning Santana and Ortiz, you know, and like kind of restoring them to their roots almost. That could be fun. So whatever. Actually, I don't care. Just sign the man, please. Can we do the right thing here? I don't have to request another trade. Can we just sign the man and celebrate and I'll stay on the team for a while? That's all I want. But yeah, awesome moment. Uh, Dynamite was really good last night, I thought. The first hour, especially. Amazing. Uh, the, the segment with Moxley, Darby... Ricky Starks, Brian Cage was was very good. Hangman Page, uh, always awesome in his role. But the, I thought the first hour was excellent. Yeah. Ricky killed Darby Allen. Oh my I, god, that was scary. I felt bad for Darby Allen. I know that we sound like biased because he's been on the podcast, but credit to Ricky Starks for like trying to actually dress and act like a star on <laughs> television. I know that sounds like I'm being like. I'm taking a shot. I, this is genuine praise. Like, wrestlers now just wear their wrestler shirt, right? Yeah. <laughs> Eddie, all these guys, they come out, like, they have their cool wrestling shirt, cool, sell, sell shirts, fine. Ricky Styles not into that. He's he's going to look like a star on television, even if he's killing guys in a brawl angle. He doesn't care. So he looked tremendous. Um, I don't know if I love the Taz thing, but I will give it time because I like Ricky Styles. Uh, the other thing that we need to talk about arguably the best segment in the history of wrestling. Lance Archer just murdering him. In, <laughs> Jake Roberts just, like, coolly speaking while we just, like, threw men through the roof and stuff was amazing. It was all... The only thing is, and I like Lance Archer, but the weakest part of it was when he had to start, like, he did his catchphrase into the mic, or whatever he did when he was just breathing heavily into the microphone. Before, when he was just throwing men into the roof, oh, my, that was different level. That was a lot of fun, too. I thought the greatest segment was Britt Baker just yelling at Reba and Tony Schiavone for being an asshole. We need to talk about this. So <laughs> was that a reference to that episode we did 25 years ago when the show started when they wrote uh, WWE did an article? What was the article, Jeremy? Help me. Sasha Banks is uh, the Michael Jordan. And this, I yes. believe this was our first episode, the first episode of The Distraction. We had this to talk about, and someone from WWE.com wrote, and I think he's on the bump, uh, always praising yeah. Sasha. He's like, oh, yeah, Sasha Banks, like, this is her Michael Jordan run. And he had, like, this whole thing mapped out through WrestleMania. Like, he was a little off. Sasha Banks is doing great right now. Through WrestleMania, her run sucked. <laughs> Just, there wasn't yeah. much there. Um, but, but, yeah, this was, that was one of our, but, yeah, I think it was. A reference to we know Britt watches the show big fan of the distraction as everyone is and you know it takes it takes people time to to catch these references but she was like you know let me throw that in there for those long time those first down since day one ish distraction viewers will get it wow <laughs> wow I'm glad you said that I never would um <laughs> yeah no it was, that was nice of her it's always nice when Britt remembers the little people in this I mean we're not little but I mean, we're going to be up against her next week. We're going to be... Wow, we're yeah. going to take shots. Not, no, not Brit. no. We have too much respect for Brit. The, the rest of them, sure. But but Brit, we have a lot of respect for. Was the actual, like, full line, I am Michael Jordan, or did I imagine that? That was the exact yeah, line. That was I the looked line. in the camera. <laughs> 
AEW's got some promos on their show. I mean, obviously, like Taz, you kind of know Taz is going to be a good promo. Britt Baker has become a great promo in the gym in about six months of TV time. She's just turned the whole way around. So, yeah, she's awesome. We need, they need her back in the ring, though, because it helps the division so, so much. Well, they're doing a, a tag team tournament, even mm. though they don't have an actual tag team division. Yeah. I don't get yeah. this. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, man. I... They certainly don't need tag belts right now. We agree on that, right? They can barely book the singles title. Like, Sheeta just... She's doing, like, an open challenge bit, but it's not a real open challenge. You got Diamante and Ivelisse just wrestling, and Diamante Mm. wins, and now she gets a non-title match against Sheeta. They they haven't booked the women's division well. It's it's been an issue. Look, they've had... They've had trouble. I know COVID has uh, stopped people from traveling. I know Britt got injured, which was which was a big blow. But the people that they and Chris Statlander got injured as well. They've had some tough luck with the division. That's undeniable. But if you have enough people to create this sixteen uh, women tournament, or yes, mm-hmm. there's sixteen women, eight teams, then you can do something with these women. And they, yeah. they just they just don't do anything. I know this sounds silly, and I'm I'm not really educated enough to like make it of like a in fact statement. Sometimes I think they are like too desperate trying to find women, and they need to just like pick. Okay, who is our actual core group? Because Diamante is actually like really good, and I'm pretty sure she's been on AEW before, right? In, on Dark anyway. She has. Yeah. So she's been around. Yeah. But why? What was the delay in waiting for her to just do a cold match here with release? Like why? Just. Pick someone and do something with them on TV because unfortunately, what happens is none of them have any like backstory really. So you end up with just a bunch of cold matches, you know. Well, I think they tried. I think they did have people picked, and, and I think it was Nyla, Sheeta, <clears throat> Statlander, and Baker. And yeah. you know, unfortunately, that's tough. Yeah, two of two <laughs> of those women got hurt and were yeah. out for months. Um, but like Nyla's still around. Sheeta's your champion. They they heat up uh, Penelope Ford for a bit, and like that was a good match. But I don't think many people Where is believed. She? Yeah, she's just disappeared. Mm. Um, you know, they've just Big Swole. I know she's doing this angle with Britt, but like, can she not wrestle and get some wins in the yeah. meantime? Instead, they just got her suspended and off of television. Like they have women. It's just and you you mentioned Diamante. Just heat her up for a little bit. You know they're gonna throw her in there. The match with Sheeta. Maybe she wins. What happened to Abaddon? She comes in, squashes Anna J, and people are like, "This person's awesome." And then she's not on television mm-hmm. again. Maybe she's on Dark. I don't know. I don't really watch that program. But they they have women. I don't think the the thing is. Yes, they've been hit with injuries. They've been hit with COVID. They have women available. They just don't do anything with them. Yeah, that you kind of explained my point a lot better than I did. That's what I meant was, like, they're so busy trying different women that they need to, like, just tell some stories coherently. Right. You know, like, if Penelope Ford has a show-stealing performance out of nowhere, don't just be like, okay, cool, but we need to do this cold match with Diamante, who was, it was a good match, I have no issue. I'm just saying, go with Penelope Ford. Tell us more about Penelope Ford, do more matches, have her win matches. Don't be constantly, like, they're trying to share it almost too much. And the issue right now with two hours of TV, it seems obvious to me they're only going to give the women like one match, one segment, basically, roughly, right? Yeah. In that situation, unfortunately, the best way to do it would just be like, forget the rest. This build had sank the foundations. Now, I agree with you. They got hurt by a circumstance, clearly. Um, 
But just generally speaking, like they could do more with Shida, like you said. But character-wise and story-wise, I don't want it to be a uh, a cartoon character by any means. But just give us a little bit more about her because she is the champ. I don't want to just be in the crowd being much like another woman watching the matches, you know. So it's just little things they can do. I am patient with it. I, you know, I think there is something to be said for like the talent pool is very different. There's a lot less TV prepared women. I just wish they were more decisive and being like, okay, we've got to have Penelope move that way. Rather than just everyone's getting their own little part of it. And what happens is no one gets over almost, is my fear. This this tag team tournament, people are like, oh, well, they get a trophy at the end of it. Cool. There's no division, Joe. There's no, they don't, there's, there's no official rankings. When they do their official rankings every Wednesday, yeah. they don't have, I rank the, the women tag team higher than they do. Because when I do my weekly power rankings, Thursdays, 3 uh, p.m. Eastern, so they'll be out now by the time you listen to this. Yes. I group them match by match, so if women tag teams, which they do all the time on Dynamite, they just do these random women's tag mm-hmm. team matches to get more women on television, and I think that's the point of this thing as well. Like, There's no actual division, though, and there shouldn't be because they apparently don't have enough women, but it, I'm sure the tournament will be good. You'll get some solid matches. People will be like, oh, look at all that you're showcasing all these women like great showcase them by giving them an actual story like that's how you could yes. showcase them yeah and that will be the big test will be by the end of the tournament forget the trophy and all that nonsense how many stories will be left that we're actually interested in following right yes. like how many teams have some kind of conflict obviously you don't do that too often but just what i mean is what's left when it's all done or is it just literally a way of field tv time yeah we'll find out i guess Slammiversary was on Saturday. Big Show Impact had a lot of uh, teases, surprises, returns. Joe, you were Team Impact on Saturday before you requested a trade to WWE on Sunday and then requested another trade to All Elite Wrestling on Wednesday. But during your time for Team Impact, what was the feeling with Slammiversary? Man, all I could think was, boy, can Scott DeMore coach. Man, we was out there... We had guys I'd never even heard of. They were hitting freeze in the corner. It was running wild. We had the ball in the machine gun's hands. We were flying. I don't know why I left, to be honest with you. I just got excited about the Sister Abigail speculation. But, um, you know, it was really neat, Jeremy, to see Impact Wrestling have all that hype and not, from what I can tell, like they didn't burn anyone. It seemed like everyone was pretty happy with the show. I sense some people kind of um, lacked perspective on Eric Young. Because while we said like he was a lock and it wasn't really a big surprise, Eric Young kind of is TNA royalty, right? Like, he did a lot in TNA. 101 characters have got them all over. So he looked great, by the way. Slammiversary was a good show. Their roster is just... I mean, I understand people can say, oh, these guys were losers on WWE or whatever. Like, I don't, that never has mattered to me. But just beyond that, like, you've got, what, six guys with TV polish and kind of, the, you know established it just helps everyone so a good week for impacts fair say outside of your trade request yes it was a yeah. it was a good week for impact uh i thought slammiversary yeah. was a good show motor city machine guns uh returning was, was spectacular great mm-hmm. to see them back and then they won the titles on tuesday chris saban even though he hadn't wrestled in a year, still looked awesome. Uh, Alex Shelley. Alex Shelley is in that, like, Roderick Strong position of, like, 
we're gonna we forget how good these guys are and how good they've been for a very long time and like when we mm-hmm. look back at history on this stuff yeah okay maybe they never had this big wwe run but we're gonna be like those guys just had great matches everywhere they went for 20 years yeah yeah i really think they kind of um obviously the young bucks amazing but like i kind of feel like they shaped what we see so many teams do now Yes. Not in this, they didn't invent tandem offense, obviously, but they were so innovative and everything they did was so sharp and crisp and it was interconnected. And I think a lot of teams would love to be as good at them as that still to this day. They were, you said it, they slotted straight back in. Uh, their match with the North on Impact was actually very good too. Uh, the show itself, as someone that was totally blind, didn't know what he was getting himself into. I didn't know two of the, the guys in the main event. Wasn't familiar with them. TNA has talent, right? Like, it's not... I'm not going to sit here and pretend it's like an all-star roster. But, especially after this week, it's a lot stronger, and they seem to have a solid direction for everyone. You know, like you've got the Eric Young, Rich Swan thing looming. Eric's going to do some stuff with Eddie for a while. Um, the Gallows and Anderson versus Ace Austin and the man that used to be called Sawyer Fulton. What is that gentleman's name now, Jeremy? Mad do we know? Madman Fulton. Actually, much better. Fair <laughs> play. I'm, I'm with that. Um so everything seems to be show. I'm just happy for them because, in fairness, like the show isn't all for me, even now. Um, but Don Callis and Scott Demore have done a great job, like rebuilding the image of that brand. You've got to say, right? They've, I mean, I love. I think he said this in interviews, but they are kind of like the modern in the industry now, in the landscape. They're the modern take on ECW, not stylistically, perhaps, but just in the sense that they're a great place to be creative, get the stink off you that just left a major promotion with. And kind of like feel like a star again. I mean, look at Gallows Anderson. They're being treated like they are like the biggest stars in wrestling. And that's cool. Good for them. They deserve that. So a good week for Impact. I enjoyed both of their shows, which I haven't watched one for a long time. So that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I thought both shows were good. My issue is, and this like this can't be helped, like these empty yeah. arenas, it just made it feel so much lower rent then obviously it would have if it's in front of a crowd. And like I don't know if wrestlers being around ringside, some type of ambience would help that. I think it would to an extent. Obviously, you're not going to get the genuine live crowd reaction if it's... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M 
Noom.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Wrestlers out there. But man, like when Motor City Machine Guns won the titles and, and when Gallows and Anderson came out just to nothing, I mm-hmm. was just, I felt bad for it's all tough. like it just they just came out to nothing. It's like you want these to be like this big deal, and it is. It is a big deal to to get these wrestlers to to have these title changes and stuff. But when there's literally no reaction to it, it just doesn't feel like a big deal. That's not their fault. Look, they can't help this pandemic. But I I don't know what they can do, whether it's putting fans, not fans, but like wrestlers, staff workers, whatever it might be around the ring to to kind of just create some noise for it. Yeah, the one that I thought was hurt most was EC3. Yeah. Because... They were doing like an angle where it was like, when is he going to show up? And because of that, they didn't like play his music or anything. He just appeared behind Moose, right? And like, normally when you do that kind of angle, there's the suspense of the audience sees the guy and the heel doesn't. Right. Obviously, there is none of that. There is just Josh Matthews being like, oh my God, it's easy free. Oh my God, it doesn't work here. Easy free. Like, it just was so flat. And even someone that loves EC3 was excited for it. It was like, I can only be so excited for this. Because at least the other ones, as much as they were flat, they were masked by, like, the guy doing his entrance, and they could kind of play it off like it's fine. Easy 3 was an angle shot for, like, live excitement, and there was none to be had. So, yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, it limits them, obviously, but then at the same time, um, in fear of kind of dismissing the good work they've done, one of their biggest strengths right now is that they're still running, right? Like, that's why they're so Hard to useful. kill, Joseph. Hard to kill. Yeah. But, like, it just generally spit, like, I mean, I'm sure Gallows and Anderson were interested anyway, but them being an option for them to work here while before Japan is very useful. Impact's benefiting from the fact that they're the other promotions still running during this insane time that we're still living in. So, um, yes, I, I am uh, intrigued. My biggest question is, will they be able to keep the shine on the right guys here? I don't expect them to make Brian Myers a world champion or any of that, but will they be able to keep EC3, the Good Brothers, Motor City, Will they still feel like stars, you know, relatively speaking, in six months? One of Impact's biggest issues is they could sign anyone, and within a few months, they would appear to just be like part of the furniture at the Impact Zone. Right? That was always a thing for them. So hopefully this new regime, they can maximise this new talent. Because in fairness, I think they maximise a lot less with some of the guys they've been using. So we'll see. It's almost a catch-22 for (laughs) them because you've got these people who are perceived as former WWE guys. I mean, Eric Young yeah. is just a TNA guy to me. And even Gallows and Anderson, they're not really WWE guys. Hawkins yeah. and, and uh, Heath Slater, certainly more WWE guys. Um, so if you push them, it's like, oh, you're just pushing WWE rejects. So it's tough to... you got to find a balance of not pushing them too strong, but at the same time, like realizing they're your talent now and not worrying about what they did in the past because that's like that's clearly a wwe issue is they don't realize that this is their talent this was the problem with the invasion it's like all oh, these wcw guys we're not going to push mm-hmm. them um the, the thing with impact as well is like they don't have a ton like pinpoint guys of all right this is your next star um ace austin is probably that guy he's very young very talented uh good look and everything but at, after him it's like semi callahan like eddie edwards has been around for a while 
Uh, Chris Bay is great. Willie Mack, I don't know what they're doing with him after the, mm. the two X Division title losses, but they don't have the, those guys where you're just like, yeah, this is the guy that you're building towards the future. So to have Gallows, Anderson, Eric Young come in and kind of bridge that a little bit should be beneficial for those guys. I, I know people won't like it because of the way his WWE run went. I kind of feel like they have to build around EC3 again. I do. I think... yeah. All-around talent, he's probably the best shot they have. I would definitely use Kyle Anderson as a single sum. I think they could do that. I mean, I think Ace Austin's very exciting. I'm with Eddie Edwards winning that match on Sunday, though. I think Eddie Edwards, obviously, yeah, the loyalty and all that stuff, but, like, those younger guys, um, they've got time, you would hope, in impact. I don't know. Eddie Edwards is legit good, and I think we all forget sometimes how good he is. Right? Yeah. Like, I understand people are underwhelmed by winning the belt. I get why. But, man, I don't care how that dude's dressing. Like, his work hasn't dropped off. He still is amazing. So, it's hard. I'm with you. They're lacking, like, a... If we talk basketball, we like doing that on here, Jeremy, right? We like talking we to basketball. Do you remember that sport? Basketball was fun. <laughs> and, um, it's back next me, week. I think it's going to be running while we're on the air. Yes. So, we'll just watch basketball instead of do this podcast. To me, they're going the route of, like, the, you know the old Pat Riley play of, like, we're not tanking. We're just going to be competitive. We're not got a championship in this, Jeremy. We haven't got a star player that can lead us to the, to the promised land. But we're not tanking here. We're going to build a competitive team, competitive roster, and that's what they have here. They have a lot of really solid, good, exciting prospects. They certainly haven't got the crown jewel here to, from where I'm looking. You know, I'm not talking about the Saudi Arabia paper. I'm talking about, you know. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they figure that out. I agree with you, Ace Austin's probably where they're going to eventually get to. But I think, I, I sense they'd want to be patient with that. The issue, obviously, is it's like it's so hard to be patient because you don't know how long these guys are going to be here, right? Like, it, they, he could get signed at any point, and I don't know what their contract situation is. But I am. Uh, I thought one of the stars of the pay-per-view said, so yeah, I'm with you. Chris Bay and Willie Matt had a great pay-per-view match. The impact match was a little bit alarming in the way that it was presented and laid out, concerned me a little bit as far as what William Max Future was in impact. But um, the Perrazzo-Grace match, I thought, was tremendous. Yes. Both of those are great. I mean, I'd heard a lot about the women's division. I sensed the gauntlet match was not the best example. No, that sucked. No. That was awful. Yeah, it did. It did. I mean, that was an example of, like, our women's division is good, and someone should have said, it's not that good. We don't need to feature all of these women on pay-per-view. It just wasn't... That isn't how it works, you know, like... Just use the best talent and put them in a place where they can succeed. Don't just use everyone because you want to show off a division. It didn't work at all. Uh, but the title match was very good. So they've got some stuff worth watching for. I mean, there's some stuff on that. Like, you, if you listen to this, you know that some of the more silly uh, presentation elements are not my thing. So you can imagine there's some stuff on Impact that I roll my eyes at. There's some wacky stuff on that program, certainly. But it's a fun show. And more than anything, it's just a nice story that everyone was united in being like, hey, good for impact, you know? I mean, not everyone. There's still definitely some people dunking on, on poor TNA, but people seem generally happy that they're kind of back on their feet. And this, in fairness to impact fans, I know it's been like this for a while. I'm not ignorant to that. I'm just saying for the general wrestling public, I don't know if you'd agree, Jeremy, but to me it sense that, like, this was the rest of us being like, okay, impact's fine. You know, like, it was like a sort of a bridge being built. What they'll go to, I have no idea. Now the the thing is just sustaining it because they have these great pay-per-views, um, especially last year. Um, 
when you know they were headlining with like Lucha Bros and LAX. Like that yeah. that was a great feud that produced a lot of great matches. Like they've had these moments, these great pay per views, and then their television is just like, okay, yeah, this isn't that good. Or people just don't tune in after they tune into the pay per view. And I think that's almost the the toughest issue right now. Is it can be good television but just people might not yeah. watch it. And whether, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's pandemic, too much wrestling, whatever it is, but like, it's just, it's tough being that third brand and being on like access TV, getting some momentum, but still being perceived as just that third brand. 100. I thought as someone that hasn't watched their TV in a long time, it's hard for me to like have perspective, but I thought they did a pretty good job of like, capitalizing on the momentum of the pay-per-view while also giving you a hook for next week. You know, like, at least you have stuff to be like, okay, I'm going to come back next week. I know I am. I don't know what the general... It seemed like it had more buzz than usual, Impact, but you're 100% correct. Like, I have seen before their pay-per-views get some hype, and there is no, like, retaining that momentum. Like, it just vanishes as soon as they go back to TV. So, I haven't seen enough of their TV to comment on it, but I could see how... The presentation at times would be a little bit lifeless. I'll say that. This week it was fine. Hopefully they keep building on that effort. Uh, the other thing tied into Impact is, you know, they signed these people. The, the I guess the big three, big four, were EC3, Gallows Anderson, Eric Young. Those are the guys yep. who it seems like are going to be the big stars. And, and three of those people, EC3's touched on it before, but Eric Young... Um, did an interview with Busted Open Radio and Gallows and Anderson did their talk and shop live where they discussed their time in WWE and all the stuff they were told and how they couldn't be used and all this stuff. Any takeaways from any of these interviews? I think um, the Eric Young situation is simpler, right? Because his statement was very like cut and dry and I agree with it where he said that if you can't find five minutes for me, the system's broke. Eric's right, because he's never been given a character he couldn't get over. The issue is, the reason the system is broke is because there's too many pieces inside it. Like, I can just, I'm being not here to vilify Dorothy, because if I had the raw roster, I would find a hard time using Eric Young. And that speaks to how many people they need to feature on TV every week that aren't actually over. You know, and like, that's, I think very highly of Eric Young. Um, and I agree with them the system's broke. I just don't know if it's for the reason. Like, to me, the reason it's broke is because they sign everyone that they think is of any use. You know, like, right. long gone are the days of being like, oh, we could do something with that particular guy. Sign him. It's now just, he once took bumps on television. <laughs> sign him. You know? Don't believe me. Look at... just You know, you know what I'm talking about. Not Eric Young. Other people. Um, Eric Young's 100% right on a three-hour program. He should have sometimes do some kind of wacky character. Not a top heel, necessarily, but, like, he can do a lot of stuff and get over. So he's right. It's just, it's not news to me because they've got too many guys, basically. The Gallows and Anderson thing, um, it was further evidence of something that I think is a building case of, like, there's a lot of weird push and pull in the office of Derby, the front office, so to speak. Yeah. Like, it seems to me there's a lot of different agendas and a lot of different ideas as to where they should be going. And I have no, this is not the scoop, unlike everything else I say here, this is not a scoop, Jeremy. But it seems to me the issue is that the head honcho is at a point in his life where he's a lot easier to sway than usual when it creates weird things that I sense he doesn't want happening, happening <laughs> because he's just got a lot of different voices. I mean, from the outside looking in, when you just read the amount of people that are involved now, 
it seems like a lot. Um, and when you see some of the decisions like Bruce being back and the next thing Bruce is running both shows, I don't know, man. It seems awful tumultuous to me. I, As a fan, I can speak as a fan and say it was very, like, refreshing to hear Gallows and Anderson talk about it. Because while it was frustrating that they missed out on that stuff, like, the amount of times fans complained about what they were doing on TV and was told, don't complain, bro. Like, they love it. They're making money. Like, they wanted to quit within a year, guys. Like, allow fans to react to when their favourite wrestlers do lame stuff. Because a lot of the time, the wrestlers also think it's lame. Okay? And, like, we're here waiting now to have fun in the Impact Territory of Gallows and Anderson. So... That was my main takeaway for that one. It, that was just refreshing for me as a fan. I really enjoyed the Gallows and Anderson interview because they, they were very candid about things. And you can tell, like, they went there, they made their reasons very clear. They they yes. got a great offer. They, um, <laughs> you know, Anderson has, has a wife and kids. Gallows was just getting married. Like, they, they got a great offer. And so they took that. And, you know, bless them. They thought it seemed like they were going to be used a little bit more. Obviously, I think a lot of people, when they go to WWE, they're thinking, oh, that's not going to happen to me. Like, they'll, they'll use me correctly. Yeah. And it's rarely the case. It's just, it's rarely the case that that works out. Yeah, they, they signed in, like, April and wanted to quit in October. <laughs> and it's like, all right, yeah, something went wrong in uh, those few months. And then, you know, they still resigned, but... They could have left, and it, they 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 said they regretted not leaving. They could have left. They had the AEW offer. They had it seemed like an angle already shot out for the first episode of Dynamite. I mean, how much better would that first episode? It was a great episode of Dynamite. But if you have the Gallows Anderson Bullet yeah. Club thing instead of Jake Hagar uh, standing tall at the very end, um, so like they they had the offer, but WWE just kept up in it, and they took the money. You know that's. That that yeah. was their decision. I don't feel bad for them in that regard. I do feel bad of what happened after that. But uh, I thought that was a very refreshing interview, like you said. And then the Eric Young stuff, I'm with you. Is just they have too much talent. Like they should have yeah. a spot for Eric Young. I agree. They should have a spot for a lot of guys that they just yeah. don't have a spot for. They don't use, and it's because they have talent that is worth using. Like all right, if you're gonna say all right, well, we got to book this 10-minute ricochet match. That's going to cut this five-minute Eric Young segment. It's like, all right, is this, like, a bad thing, you know? The, a 10-minute ricochet match? Like, is this bad? Exactly, yeah. But they they should still have a spot for these people or just don't sign this many people. What, and this will be up by the time everybody uh, listens to this. Eric Young also talked about doing, like, producer's work for WWE. And he did it for 16 weeks, and he's like, it's just a thankless job, like, you're just trying to cater everything to, to what Vince wants. And it, it does, in the end, it doesn't really matter. Like, you're just going back and forth, relaying messages. Oh, Vince says this. The talent says this. Like, it doesn't seem like producers in WWE are, like, actual producers of, of you know, lay out the match and stuff. It's just like, okay, what's your idea? Let me take it to Vince. Like, you said that Vince has too many th – there's a lot of push and pull. I think at the top, that's true. It's all. It's also might be true, like at the bottom, to where you have all these writers, you have all these producers yes. and agents, yeah. and mex uh, messages just get lost in all of yes. this. And it would just be easier if it's just like a talent to talent thing with Vince. Let the talent do what you want. Have actual producers who are not just all right. Vince said this. You said this. Like no, here's what we're actually doing, mm -hmm. and you know work off of that. Because Gallows and Anderson, they said it, and I thought 
you know, this is right. Everyone says, oh, go into Vince's office, talk to him, talk to him, talk. And they're just like, Vince doesn't want to talk to us dorks. Like, yeah, he wants to talk to AJ because he's going to push AJ. He don't want to talk. To, he doesn't know what we're doing. He didn't remember that we were the club two years ago. He didn't remember this <laughs> stuff. And yeah, yeah I, I feel bad for a lot of these guys because these are not isolated stories. Everyone who leaves WWE has a very similar story. And it it rarely comes off bitter. It, it more just comes off of like, this sucks, but this yeah. is how it runs over there. The Vince thing is, um, like, very hard, I find, to, like, publicly... When we discuss this stuff, I never want to be kind of the guy who's, like, screaming down the mic, like, the guy, he's finished! You know, get NXT in! I'm not that guy, you know that. But I find it hard to kind of... I don't want to frame him a certain way, but we also have to be logical about what he is. And, like, he is a guy in his mid-70s that's been hit over the head a lot. Like, that's just the reality of the situation. When I say he's easily swayed... I don't mean that he doesn't know what he wants. I'm, I could see him at that very moment when Gallows pitched that angle with Big Cass being like, yeah, great angle. And by two days later, he's like, let's just do that angle with Seth Rollins. Like, <laughs> I don't know if he... I don't, I don't want to frame him as a guy that's out of his mind. It's not what I'm doing here. I'm just saying, I, I wonder almost if the reason no one ever says anything about Vince is because like, he's generally probably agreeable at this point in his life until he actually comes time to create the stuff. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I could... I could see, like, an Eric Young talking to Vince. I'm like, man, that went awesome. I think he said this, right? He was like, I had a meeting with Vince. It went great. They never did anything with me. Like, <laughs> I just think there's a lot going on in the guy's head that probably shouldn't be going on, considering where he's at in his life. So, it's like, the one thing about Goes and Anderson that was interesting, too, was that, like, I think a lot of fans just look at them as, like, a team. It's very obvious, when you listen to that interview, what parts of a team they make up. Yeah. Because Carl Anderson, like, he, it's very odd to say this, but in wrestling, his career has been kind of sheltered because he got the big break in New Japan, and he was, like, a top guy in New Japan pretty quick, you know? So, like, hearing him talk about what it meant to him to get fired was actually pretty amazing by comparison to Gallows, who was like, yeah, I had a territory running with him with an hour. You know? So I thought that was fun because I think a lot of fans missed that. Like, they actually had very different careers. One guy has been everywhere and had a lot of unsuccessful runs, a lot of them not for any fault of his own. And the other guy, really, like, on the major stage, had just, like, one smash hit of a run, got off loads of money, and then went where he went. Like, I think he said at one point, uh, Anderson was like, um, everyone says you'll get lost in the shuffle. He said what you said. He was like, uh, but to me, it's like, that's not going to happen to me. And he goes, and then, here I was. I was lost in the shuffle. Like, it's, it was interesting that Gallows never wanted to go, because I, se- I sensed that was his kind of... He knew, right? Like, deep down, this is going to be a tough sell. So... It's it's always good when you get that level of insight. Like anyone that's just read the quotes and like, oh, more bitter guys, please watch the interview because they couldn't come across less bitter, right? They were yeah. so they took so many shots of themselves and their decision. It's worth just watching. It gives a lot of insight into their run. And the Heyman thing, by the way, um, I think people have like miss. Like I think they're very aware that Vince is the one that fired them. I think their issues with Paul Heyman are a lot more than just that moment. Would you agree? Like, I could be wrong. Oh, yeah. So AJ did, he was on his Twitch stream last night yeah. as well, and he offered more his side, but obviously uh, he was on the side of Gallows and Anderson, but, you know, his perspective, and he was there mm-hmm. talking to all these people, all of them, I think even Anderson and Gallows, but AJ certainly did on his stream. They're like, yes, we understand Vince made this decision. Yeah. It was a Vince call. According to them, it was like 
Gallows and Anderson were never thought of until Heyman uh, apparently went to him. I was like, yeah, get rid of these guys. And then that put the thought in Vince's mind. And like you said, like, it seems like he's easily swayed. He doesn't know maybe what changes and stuff. So it put the thought in his mind and he, he probably didn't think about it. Honestly, he saw him on his little, yeah, yeah. Like he saw him on his list of like, Oh yeah. Okay. My executive director is telling me fire these guys probably just sure. listen to it. Like, sure. Why not? So like, that's honestly probably what happened there. And then the, the issue with Heyman clearly stems back further where, all right, we're going to put you together. Now go put over Ricochet and Cedric. Okay. When are we getting our shine back and everything? And then it just became, they, they were lied to about a bunch of different stuff. So it was clearly, I think they, all three of them understand. Yes. Vince made the final decision. Mm-hmm. Their heat with Heyman is that he didn't defend him. He lied to him about defending him. And he was the one who seemingly put the thought into Vince's brain that they needed to be fired. Yeah, and even beyond that, like, and I, I, you know, I have a lot of admiration for Heyman, but the reason they were even a fool, even if he didn't put them on the list, is because of the way they were booked on Raw. They were made into losers on Raw. You see what I'm saying? So, like, if they were top team with the belts, they would never have been put on the list on by anyone. So, um, the the issue with that is, like, I love guys and Anderson. But that is very in line with Heyman's general philosophy. Like, I could 100% see him not seeing a lot of value in a team at their age, at this point in their career. He's always been the guy that, for want of a better term, he he likes the younger talent that is kind of naive. And I don't mean that in, like, a dismissive way. I just mean he likes guys he can shape and mould, basically. And as I just said, there's not a lot of chance you're going to be able to do that with Luke Gallows, who has legitimately now played about 12 characters in wrestling. So he's... It was very in line with Heyman's philosophy, and like, even as someone that enjoys Heyman, we have to be realistic about his reputation, right? This is nothing new. This is not like an outlier. Oh wow, someone doesn't like Paul Heyman. He is what he is, okay? And he's always up to stuff. And it was just honestly, it was kind of like old school to hear guys fresh off their run actually just actively burying guys that are in the office. I guess he's not in the office anymore, but um, the Triple H stuff too. That's the other thing I think people missed. He's like, yeah, it's easy to go after Heyman because he's been fired. I get that. But this not act like they were protecting Triple H. The stories they talk about him made him look terrible in a lot of ways. Even if they kind of didn't go after him, man, he didn't come out of looking great, right? It was the same thing when FTR did all their interviews. Is like, oh, you're Triple H's guys. You're Triple H. Like, Triple H talked to these guys. He seemed like he did the hiring of the push for these guys at the very yeah. least. I'm sure Vince McMahon... Like Carl Anderson said, he doesn't know I was in the G1 final. And that's why he's like, oh, man, that Carl Anderson guy just saw his G1 match. Got to get him in there. I'm sure it's Triple H being like, yeah, we got to get these guys and all this stuff. So they look at Triple H, you know, the Papa Paul figure. Like this this guy's going to take care of me. And, like, I'm sure Triple H has these intentions. It just, you know, it doesn't work out for whatever reason. But this is why, you know, Vince has got to double check with people, but maybe he did double check with Triple H and Triple H just didn't think about it. Who knows? But uh yeah, they they weren't protecting him at all. The the quote about like, oh, I'm thinking of your kids and exactly. I don't know. Like that quote yeah. was like, Yeah, dude, you you suck for this quote. <laughs> like you said this to these people and then they got released less than a, a year later. Like couldn't you do something about that? Like if you have yeah. this position again, maybe Triple H didn't know. But it it wasn't uh, the the best light, and then their their appearance on um, 
being the elite where they're like, I know two Pauls in that company. Neither of them have lied to me. Like, yeah, they're, they're burying him as well. The Paul Heyman stuff, AJ Styles said that last night. He's like, no one likes this dude. Like, he throws everybody on the bus. Like, you can't find anybody that likes this dude. And, I mean, Heyman's made his enemies, and he's got a lot of supporters too, though. You're right. It is a lot of young talent because he could just tell them, like, I'm trying to push you. I'm trying to push you. I'm trying to push you. And like, mm-hmm. it shows on television. He, yeah. he clearly wanted to use these younger guys and then, you know, whatever happens happens. Um, but yeah, Gallows, Anderson, and especially styles, they're in a position to be like, yeah, we're not, we're not doing this. Sorry. But the thing is, I, I have to be fair to Heyman in saying that if his take was the club's kind of opportunity to be a big deal was gone because of the way it went the first time around, this just used them to get over new guys. Like, as much as I like them guys, I get that in terms of logic. You know, I can't argue with that. Um, it's Obviously, though, it's clear there's a lot more going on than just the way they booked the race. The way that he would frame things, uh, the stack pin uh, deal with Drew was certainly something. But yeah, anyway, I'm glad we got into this in detail, but if you haven't listened to it, it's worth listening to because it is very insightful into how insane the World Wrestling Federation currently is. It's a wild time, Jeremy. It certainly feels like something odd is oncoming. Uh, but I don't know how it could get any weirder at this point. It's a strange time. Uh, it will. I'm sure it'll get much yeah. weirder. I don't know how either, but I, I trust that it will. I think SummerSlam, I'm a little bit worried about SummerSlam because they wanted <laughs> like they wanted to do fan- – like, WrestleMania, they couldn't really control. That was like two weeks out from everything, maybe, maybe three weeks out. And it's like, yeah. all right, what are we going to do here? Like they've been stewing on this SummerSlam stuff. They were – kind of like promised not promised but like i'm sure they thought fans will be back by SummerSlam. this won't be an issue they see sports coming back as well the ratings have fallen mm-hmm. off since all of this i think SummerSlam, they're just gonna do some really dumb stuff and i can't wait for it i really cannot wait for it man if he gets dumber i <laughs> i don't know what we're gonna do on this podcast man i thought i for an eye was about our peak so look i'm open for anything at this point uh, one thing we are going to do is after last week when we introduced this segment and said, eh, not a lot going on in wrestling, you know, we're going to talk about some old retro stuff because we, we want to fill time with stuff we enjoy. And sorry, folks, these were all in SmackDown shows and we're not very enjoyable right now. And then this week, it's like wrestling world just blows up, which is great, you know, gave us plenty yeah. to talk about. But we did introduce a new segment last week where we do... Uh, little wax nostalgia a little bit and i picked the the match samoa joe against scott steiner from tna slammiversary 2006 joe what were your thoughts on this match and the gloriousness of tna in 2006 uh before i get to this match i was trying to find where the match was (laughs) and i came across a sting promo that i would like to recap on the podcast okay Sting uh, was very excited because he said, tonight is the very first King of the Mountain match. Jeremy, I'm here to tell you this was the third King of the Mountain match. <laughs> Sting apparently, I don't know what, how this was a thing that Sting thought was happening. He's convinced himself it was a fresh new match. I don't know, maybe it I don't was know. his first King of the Mountain yes. match. I'm, yeah, maybe. I'll give him that much. He also produced a great quote that I would like to be under my name moving forward. <laughs> he said, after 20 years of wrestling, I can multitask. The Stinger can multitask <laughs> can you argue with that it took him 20 years he can multitask yeah he does he does this and he does that joe he was multitasking <laughs> a long time ago true you're right <laughs> um that was wonderful this whole weird presentation of like a mishmash of guys that were like indie stars 
and then just Sting and Scott Steiner and <laughs> Kurt Angle is insane. It's bonkers. Kurt's not around at this time, I think. I think he's about to come in. But um, did you pick up at the Scott Steiner promo? Is that where you started? Oh, yes. Yeah. I started with the Scott Steiner promo. Did you watch this promo? This was... I have questions. I have big questions. I transcribed this promo. I do enough transcribing as it is for, for news writing. I transcribed this promo, Joseph. This promo was just peak. Absolute peak Scott Steiner. Yes. He, what is the thing where he's like offended that Joe is called Samoa Joe? Why is this thing? <laughs> and <it's> Sloppy Joe. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, in the video page, he's like, I, I hate that you call yourself that. You're half breed. What is he talking? He's not full Samoan. He's not full Samoan. So it shouldn't why be. Why upset him? Because he's, <laughs> you know, he he goes back with all these Samoans, Afa, Sika, yeah, all all the Samoans, true. Yokozuna, all the Samoans that Scott Steiner has wrestled with throughout his career. He's like, this man is not full Samoan. I know so real Samoans. So <laughs> you calling yourself Samoa Joe? No, it's Samoa Sloppy Joe. That's your name. I got veins. You, you don't know nothing oh, about that. <laughs> I've got that. No, it, one of my notes, by the way, like, has Scott Steiner actually defeated Triple H? Yes, I looked this up. I okay, looked good. this up. Yes. Is it true? Yes. The John Cena one was the one I was like, there's no way Scott Steiner wrestled John Cena. Like, yeah. Cena was just coming up, or, or Steiner was way, when Steiner was the star, and then Cena kind of became the star when Steiner was in, like, the tag team. I ha They wrestled one match, Joe, like a house show, a SmackDown house show. Wow. And Scott Steiner won. I looked this up to see if these, if he beat these people was being true. And it is. Amazingly, it is. So I don't want to step on your bit. Are you going to read this promo or have you just noted it for the sake of history? I, want to, I don't want to step on your bit here. Oh, I can read the promo. I mean, you don't I, have was, to. I just didn't know that was your intention. I, I, I planned on reading the promo. Please read the promo. <laughs> I have I have uh, props as well. Oh my goodness! Okay. <laughs> I, see that. I I can't do it as well as Scott Steiner. I don't no, even know why I'm trying. Okay, Jeremy Borash introduces him and whatever. Samoa Joe's been undefeated by a year. He's under his undefeated streak. He debuted. It's Slammiversary 05, undefeated X Division champion. Okay, Scott Steiner goes. Don't you call Jesus? Let me get. Let me let me see correctly. <laughs> Full stop. Yes. <laughs> Don't you call that half-breed Samoa Joe. You call him what he is. That fat bastard, you call him Sloppy Joe. Sloppy Joe, you're going to find out why I have the reputation that I do. I've beaten everybody from Sting to Goldberg to Triple H to Batista to John Cena. I've beaten them all. Who have you beaten, Mr. X Division? Tonight, I know there's some rednecks out in the crowd who are fat, just like you, Joe, who want you to beat me. There's rednecks watching TV right now with fat oozing over their belt line that want you to beat me. I know there's TNA management that want you to beat me because I don't follow their rules, and they're trying to sell this DVD called The Best of Samoa Joe Unstoppable. Well, this crap is unsellable. Samoa Joe... I'm going to show you why they call me Big Papa Pump. Tonight, tonight, Samoa Joe, your win streak ends. Tonight, I kill you. Okay, I, I, I made a note of the last line, and I cannot believe that is the true conclusion of all of this is, 
Tonight, this is one sentence after that. Tonight, your win streak ends. Tonight, I kill you. <laughs> wow. And then we do a cut to a video package yeah. in which Samoa Joe appears to be doing, like, a UFC countdown bit. And he's, like, really serious, talking about fighting. And Scott Steiner is just like, he's back, back. He's pointing at his arm. And he, what is the exact quote, Jeremy? Please he says, me. I have veins. You know nothing about that. He's like, you see this? That's a vein. <laughs> And then it was just cut back to Samoa Joe's like, I'm going to choke him out. I'm going to throw some low kicks. So he's just dead. Oh, man. this. I mean, it was a good video package. Like, it actually got me interested in the match. Because when you read this to me, I didn't realise that it was being, like, framed as, like, a dream match, which is yeah. what I think they were going for. Because Scott was, like, new enough here that I guess people were excited. I don't know. Probably not, right? It didn't seem like it. But I think people it were wasn't, excited. Yeah, like, it wasn't the version of Scott where he'd been there for four years, basically right. what I'm saying. So I didn't realise that until I watched this, but the walking, like, human cartoon of Scott Steiner, contrasted with Sire Joe just being, like, straight-laced <laughs> shoot fighter, was amazing. And um, I have to say, like, when we're about getting this match, I have a few notes on the match. I think we take for granted, Jeremy, how absurd Scott Steiner looked at this time. He's like, <laughs> he is, like, ridiculous looking, isn't it? He's humongous he's so big it's actually kind of scary i must say but um this match is like i don't know how many notes you have on the match jerry but poor scott man he was trying there's not a lot here at this point wasn't there no no he he was certainly trying uh joe if this is like your introduction to samoa joe you probably didn't walk away thinking what's the big deal about this guy because he'd been yeah. killing it for a year in the X division with all these great matches. And then he had to just slow down to Scott Steiner's pace and it wasn't working for 2005 Samoa Joe who could like really go. I'd like to see Samoa Joe today against 2005 Scott Steiner. Yeah. It'd be a great match, but this yeah. version or 2005 Samoa Joe against like 90 Scott Steiner, like 92 Scott Steiner. Uh, would probably be great, but this, yeah, just a big styles clash that they could not get around. It was weird because they wanted to tell the story of like Joe couldn't out wrestle Scott Steiner. I was like, I don't know if that was the way to go here, guys. You know, like he was taking him down, and then they did a spot where Joe like spat him, and it was like, oh, Joe's baiting him into a brawl. And I was like, wait, Joe can't just wrestle Scott. <laughs> Scott Steiner's like stumbling around the ring. But like, I'm sure that Scott's bad art. Like, don't be wrong. I'm not questioning the man's toughness, but. I wouldn't have had the undefeatable destroyer getting, like, technical wrestled by Scott Steiner, just personally. Uh, yeah, the match wasn't good. And Scott Steiner tried to, like, lift Samoa Joe. They did the corner spot where they do, like, the corner rock bottom. That looked yeah. really bad. Uh, I don't think Steiner was taken the... I remember watching this at the time, and when, like, Joe won with that power slam, it was just, like, this huge, huge shock because Joe uses that move all the time and just mm-hmm. never won with a power slam and looking back it's like oh yeah scott wasn't taking that muscle buster <laughs> he just well, wasn't gonna take that why didn't they just do the choke why did scott just stand up when he was in the choke i finished watching <laughs> i was like done and he just stood up in the middle of the... what happened there why did they have to do a power slam finish when he could have just got choked out i didn't understand scott wasn't go he wasn't passing out tapping out he's like yeah sure i'll take your power slam and, and that'll be the finish i ain't tapping out to this move though <laughs> I have a range of questions about the announced team. but I mean, I have a couple we're getting to. First thing I did want to say, the match is fine when Joe is doing all the offense and Scott is just, like, teetering, selling. Because Joe's offense is still so great at this time and he's so, like, quick, even against Scott Steiner, that he's like, wow. The issue with the match is when poor Scott is, like, 
I don't even know if you can call it a heat segment because they're cold. <laughs> These things are cold, man. He's like wandering around. He's looking at the crowd. Um, Mike Tanay at one point suggests that Don West has felt Scott's wrath on many occasions. <laughs> what? When did Scott Steiner and Don... We need to find these. We did the wrong thing here. We should have watched the Don West Scott Steiner program that apparently happened. I have no idea what this is in reference to. Um, Don West says at one point, and this is mean on my part, someone who misspeaks often, I shouldn't poke fun. But Don West at one point says, you don't have to like him, but you love him. And I interrupted. <laughs> What he was intending to say was, you have to love his work. Didn't get there. Didn't get that far, did Don. He just, he, he fell apart. By the way, when Scott Steiner powerbombed Samoa Joe, I was like, I don't know how I convinced myself 14 years in the future that Joe's career was about to end, but I did. I was like, it's over. It's finished. Done. I, I was shocked. I didn't remember that powerbomb spot at all, but uh, bless Joe for taking that. It was It was refreshing to hear Mike Tanay and Don West. Like, very, very refreshing. I know people wanted to dunk on Don West at the time, and, like, his commentary doesn't age, like, greatly or anything, but Don West understood what he was there to do, and he did it very well. And you can't deny the man's passion on that. Was he a great commentator? No. But, you know, he was the second to to Mike Tanay, and Mike Tanay was still very good, even at this time. Um... But Don West, it, it was legitimately refreshing outside of the, you know, the, one, it was a two-man booth. I'm sick of these three-man booth. That, mm-hmm. That's all nonsense. But the the WWE stuff, which is all just, it, I've learned to tune that out because it's just, it's the same stuff you've heard for 20 years now. Yes, uh, Mike Snyder does have a gem. I don't want to leave him out of this discussion. Uh, Scott Steiner at one point throws Joe out the ring. They're like brawl on the outside. And Mike Snyder says, they're going to take it out to the streets here. <laughs> Amazing. Because they literally just left the ring. And that leads to that weird... Time. I don't know if you could help me with this. This match wasn't no DQ, right? No. Why, when Scott Steiner hit Smojo over the head with a steel chair, did Rudy Charles say, you have 10 seconds to get back in the ring, both of you? What happened? Why did Smojo get punished for getting hit in the head with a steel chair? <laughs> I think it was a thing of, like, relaxed rules type of deal. <laughs> and then the referee, because he's like, okay, you know, I'm fed up. With, with this outside the ring brawling. Give him 10 seconds or I'm throwing this out. Yeah, Samoa Joe was unfortunately punished for this uh, yes. because, you know, he just got hit in the head with a chair. Now it's like, get in the ring, dude. Like, Joe didn't do anything wrong. Uh, but those, those are the breaks in wrestling, Joseph. Those are the breaks. But they played it like it was like a double down. Like Scott hit him in the head with a chair and fell over himself. And the ref was like, wow. It, it was weird. Um, by the way, before the finish... What, so they were going for the spot where like Scott gets yeah. goozled on the top rope and yeah. oh my, that oh, was brother. bad. Scott just landed on his feet and was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it was, I must admit, like as much as I find the Scott stuff to be fun, the promos are hilarious. It kind of bummed me out because this is 14 years ago, and I was like, the craziest thing is this is probably the best match Scott Stein could possibly have in 2006. <laughs> like just because it's almost possible this is about as good as scott was getting at that time and it's just shame because he was so great in his prime you know he did the um the top rope hurricane rana at one point like early in his tna run and for some reason i thought it was this match but it wasn't um but i do think he did it in a match against samoa joe i hope he did it a few times i think as he went on in the run he had a match with kurt angle that was like all-time bad so the point where Kurt Angle, after winning the match, was enraged at how bad of a match he just had. Uh, but the thing with Scott is, 
he always tried his best, didn't he? Yeah. Some of the guys go to TNA and like they brother around. Like Booker T, look, Booker, if you watch the show, I'm sorry. You did not take. You. you did not take the total non-stop action very seriously, pal. Scott Steiner <laughs> never had that issue. He nearly killed Joe four times this match with suplexes. Is like it's. I wouldn't say it's a terrible match. It's just. It's almost. Um, it isn't bad enough for me to find it hilarious. It's just kind of a bummer, right? Watching Scott kind of stumble around and try to have a good match and foul. It's a shame. I, I picked this match because, one, I didn't remember it. I don't I didn't remember if it was, like, all-time bad or... I actually thought, like, it was decent, like, passable. Mm-hmm. And that's why I picked it. I was like, all right, what does my memory tell me about this? But really, I just wanted the, the promo and the that's video cool. package because I knew we would we would watch that. By the way, I don't know if you caught that Easter egg when I held up the DVD. One... Yeah, one, I had it backwards, just like Scott Steiner did when he held it up. Yes, Two, yes. it was UFC Unstoppable. I yes, don't have yes. the actual Samoa Joe Unstoppable DVD, but I searched through. I, I spent like 10 minutes searching through my DVD pile to that just for this bit that no one probably got, and that's why I explained it because I wanted the recognition for it. People are watching this channel. Like, <laughs> these guys have put more effort into this one match of the week, so they have seven months to show Speaking of such, are you ready for my pick for next week? Yes, you told me it's going to be absurd, and so I'm very yes. excited. Firstly, I have to come clean. I picked this match thinking it would be like on the date that we reviewed it. Uh, this match took place on July 23rd, 1989, which is this week's show. So it will actually have no relevance <laughs> in terms of timing at all. However, it is topical. Because our friend... The big show. And the good brother's ally, Paulie Dangerously takes on James E. Cornette in a tuxedo match for oh Great American Bash God. 1989. And that, Jeremy Lambert, is next week's match of the week. Oh, I I was not expecting this. I don't know what I was expecting. I was not expecting Jim Cornette against Paul Heyman in a tuxedo match to be your pick. Paul's in the news. I didn't know if we were going to talk about him for too long on the podcast, so I thought the best way to reference Paul's latest uh, headlines would just be to have a match in which he has a tuxedo match with Jim Cornette. So... Uh, the match is only six minutes, Jeremy, so I, I thought I'd... It's been, a, it's been a stressful week, right? I've had a lot to cover. I've changed teams three times. <laughs> In preparation for my next move, I'm going to give us a shorter match, and we can get into the hilarious uh, issue of Paul E and James E being the same person without realising it and hating <laughs> each other the same. So, that should be fun. Uh, I don't know if it'll be quite as good as Samoa Joe and Scott Steiner, but actually, no, I've just thought about it. There will be no Don West. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe this should be the Don West match. <laughs> Maybe that's what we should do. We'll think about it. So that's a production meeting for another time. That is your match for next All right. I can't wait to, to watch this. Six minutes. It'll breeze by. We're not picking long matches on this thing. No. Uh, no, all right, folks. That'll do it for today's show. Let's do the 20-minute outro now after the hour and 20-minute show. Uh, this past Tuesday, we reviewed Money Plane. I think it's our best movie review to date much like yeah. today where i did a promo reenactment i did a scene reenactment for money plane um what a great show it broke the rating scale watch the movie watch the show yes that was a special one um i'm gonna try and keep this outro short but yes jeremy now like, reads full scripts <laughs> on the show as his new thing and i'm all for it it's great fun so yeah continue i have to transcribe so much during the week that it just it just feels like yeah sure i might as well transcribe this as well for a bit on the podcast uh we have the tew series 
on Saturday. We are on the road to King of Kings. I believe it's the go-home show for King of Kings this week. So big show on the TEW series. Next Tuesday, we are reviewing They Live. That was Joseph's pick. Mm -hmm. And then next Thursday, we'll be back talking everything that is happening in the wrestling world. You can follow Joe on Twitter, at JoeHolbert5. He's got three features next week. Not sure what they are, but he's definitely doing three of them. Uh, Joe, anything else? Nothing else. Um, uh, support me in my 60-minute Ironman match with Sex Ferguson. Um, it is pre-taped, I'm aware, but still, pretend it is live and support me on that. I don't think I have anything else. I will never write again because I'm retired again, Terry Funk. Um, until, as you know, I do have something. SummerSlam features your suggestions. I have, like, four names right now. So if you can get names in, you would like me to cover you expect will be on the biggest party slash blockbuster of the summer. Tell me now. I'll try to get an article done. That's Apollo Crews, I expect him to be on the program. Tough man. It's tough man. <laughs> I watched almost every Apollo Crews match ever. Did you realize this? <laughs> I did all of that only for him to not even appear in a segment. <laughs> Poor man. I hope he's okay. I was concerned about it, but then he did like a week of media for the match, and I was like, okay, I'm fine. I can rest easy. <laughs> Could not rest easy after all. Very sad. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Lambert 88 I'll be reviewing SmackDown with uh, Sean on Friday. You can listen to that if you want. If you if SmackDown is your thing, go for it. Uh, otherwise, say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.